Sixth of June in a Kenworth pulling logs. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling hogs. We is heading for Bear on I-10, about a mile out of Shaky Town. I says, Pig Pen, this here's a rubber duck, and I'm about to put the hammer down. into Tulsa town we had 85 trucks in all but there's a roadblock up on the clover leaf and them bears is wall to wall yeah them smokies as thick as bugs on a bumper they even had a bear in the air I says calling all trucks this here's the duck we about to go a hunting bear Interstate 44 like a rocket sled on rails. We tore up all of our swindle sheets and left them setting on the scales. By the time we hit that shy town, them bears was getting smart. They'd brought up some reinforcements from the Illinois National Guard. There's armored cars and tanks and jeeps and rigs of every size. Yeah, them chicken coops was full of bears and choppers filled the skies. Well, we shot the line, we went for broke with a thousand screaming trucks and eleven long-haired friends of Jesus in a chartreuse microbus. Hey, rubber duck to Sodbuster, come on there, yeah, ten four Sodbuster. Listen, you want to put that microbus in behind that suicide jockey? Yeah, he's hauling dynamite and he needs all the help he can get. Well, we laid a strip for the Jersey Shore, prepared to cross the line. I could see the bridge was lined with bears, but it didn't have a doggone dime. I says, Pig Pen, this here's a rubber duck. We just ain't going to pay no toll. So we crashed the gate doing 98. I says, let them truckers roll 10-4. Just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. 
you're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over again. It is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. You are JC on the Now, why would JC play that stupid song, Convoy? Well, first of all, there's a lot of people who weren't even alive while the whole CB radio thing was going on. And also, I have a connection to the song. I really do, honest to God. This is going to take a while to explain, but it's really interesting. And in the process of telling the story, I must make an embarrassing confession. So let's see, where do I start? I'm working in Omaha, Nebraska in 1980. This is Johnny Carson's old station, W-O-W. And the nice thing about that station was, you know, you work in Omaha, there's nothing out there. There's nothing even close. And we used to give the temperature in Sioux City, Iowa. And that was a couple of hours away. Even if you wanted to get to Des Moines, you're talking about probably three hours. Absolutely nothing to the south of Omaha and to the west. It's the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. And because it was so isolated, we had, uh, for an AM station, we had a lot of power. And we would get out to something like, I think it was six states during the day. And at night, it was something like 22 states. And for some odd reason, we would get what was called a skip off the ionosphere at the North Pole. And we would get letters from, it's like Sweden or Norway or Denmark or something like that. They were picking up our station, a 5,000 watt AM radio station in omaha way now it helped that it was way over on the left hand side of the dial because back in the analog days the radio stations on the left side of the dial were fatter i guess you would say on the dial and they would be easier to tune in and they would travel further and stuff like that you'd get down to like you know 1440 and it's and those stations were very thin and they sort of didn't work that way so it was like like all of the factors that i guess had to be present for you to get one of these things where all right your signal just goes out from the transmitter it goes north it bounces off the ionosphere and comes back down on the other side of the world i have no idea how radio works i know nothing about the science of how i speak into this microphone and it ends up going out to your car radio i have no idea how any of that works so i'm in no position to explain the rest of it this is how it was explained to me but the point is especially at night like you get like 22 states and you would answer the phone it could be anywhere from across the midwest so you know from a perspective of a kid who grew up in chicago this was a new experience so you're really out there in the middle of nowhere by the way there wasn't anything bigger out there than paul harvey paul harvey was you know you could have (laughs) could have combined the fame and the influence of reagan kennedy churchill and even all that star power did not equal that of paul harvey and my radio station was the one that ran paul harvey we ran him like five times a day he had a little five minute thing at it was like 7.30 in the morning. Then he had the big noon show, noon to uh, 12.15. We ran that. Then he had the rest of the story. So I said five, it's three. It seemed like five. Now, everything is run by computers now, but this was 1980, okay? This was, you know, we're still using reel-to-reel tape. And the Paul Harvey thing was so serious that at a time really before the technology existed, somebody came up with an idea to hook up a reel-to-reel machine to a timer so that 
Paul Harvey, which you know, we didn't air it live. It fed, I think, at like 11.30. We ran it at noon. And if you didn't run it for some reason, like you had a technical difficulty of some sort, people would threaten to storm the station. And there were a lot of people who believed that if Paul Harvey didn't run, even though it was a completely innocent uh, reason, like a power failure or a technical malfunction with the equipment, they assumed that it was conspiratorial in nature and every couple of years you know he would fly into omaha and have you know some sort of business meetings and you know do an appearance and pick up another couple of thousand just by speaking we got a country club or something like that and that's not a bitch we get off the plane looking like remember the naked gun when weird al yankovic gets off the plane and they're throwing flowers at him and leslie Nielsen turns around this is what it was like it was a it was a very very different place different place now the city was clean there wasn't a lot of uh, crime you know gangs stuff like that at least then there wasn't i understand the place has changed considerably since you know this was 40 years ago and of course you know you got mutual of omaha there Creighton University, Willis Reed, the great Knicks star, was basketball coach there for a while when I was there. And then, of course, Nebraska football, which is about an hour down the road to Lincoln, Nebraska. That's where Trish Brown and her husband lived. Now, remember her, the meteorologist from Channel 4? This is another one of those weird, interesting stats. On days that Nebraska football plays at home, just the football stadium alone becomes the second largest city in the state. Just show you what my life was like. The girl I was dating at the time wanted to see Kenny Rogers. So I took her to Lincoln, Nebraska for a concert with Kenny Rogers, and I sat through the whole thing. And I had to do things like, you know, interview Barry Manilow and make it sound like I was interested. I will say this. He was nice and he was interesting, but he was still fucking Barry Manilow. But these are all the things you do when you're coming up in the business. I'd only been out of school, what, four or five years at that time. And it's like any other thing. You grab what you can get. And that was what I was able to get. You know, you're trying to find something to keep yourself entertained. And in this particular case, at least one of the things that kept me entertained was... A woman who was, I think, three or four years older than me, and she came into the radio station one day. I had no idea who she was. All I know is that everybody, I, I, I could see that she was extremely attractive, and everybody seemed to know her, and everybody was smiling like she was really popular and everything. I'm like, who was that chick? And I won't say her name for reasons that will probably be obvious here in a little while, but it doesn't matter. You're going to be able to figure it out anyhow, so I don't know. I might as well just say it, but anyhow, she was the wife of Chip Davis. Chip Davis as in Mannheim Steamroller, which also came from Omaha. And Bob Gibson was from Omaha, and of course Warren Buffett from Omaha. But anyhow, back to this uh, story, and she's walking around the building, and people are just like stopping in their tracks. And again, one of the reasons why is because she was a knockout. And like I said, I, I finally started asking questions like, yeah, that's uh, Chip Davis's wife uh, from Mannheim Steamroller, but also she was on the news. She was the weather girl on one of the Omaha television stations for a number of years, and I guess the station was number one. And as she would later tell me, she just flat out said, oh, I said, did you have some sort of scientific background or weather background? She goes, hell no. I got the job because of tits. Those were her words. And if you saw her, you could understand that explanation. Apparently, guys were watching the news on that TV station, watching the weather, and the weather would be over, and they'd go, I have no fucking idea what the weather was. Did you catch the forecast? Because I didn't. I was preoccupied. So anyhow, we started talking, and for some reason, we just really hit it off. 
I was making stupid jokes, and she seemed to like this. Keep in mind now, you know, when you're, tw- I was 27 at the time. You're 27 years old. A woman who was, you know, 31, 32 as she was, very, very intimidating. Like I said, I was only what, four or five years out of college where everybody is approximately the same age as you and now you're out in the real world and you have a tendency to try to replicate that experience and it can't be done. But as a young man, you're like, well, I need somebody about my age or younger and that didn't always happen. When somebody a little bit older would come along, you know, again, as a 27-year-old guy, you get a little conflicted because you are intimidated. At least I was. And to make a long story short, I find out that this marriage between her and and Chip Davis, the guy behind Mannheim Steamroller in Omaha, is falling apart. Oh, that's too bad. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, the hell it is. Well, we shook hands, uh, you know, because she was leaving. And I uh, figured, you know, I'll probably never run into her again. Whatever. About a week later, I'm walking out of my apartment at about, I don't know, three apartments down the hall from me. She's standing in front of the door with a woman. And I look at her and she looks at me. And I realize what's going on here is that she is looking for an apartment. And the one that's vacant is like three apartments down from mine. And if you're 27 and lonely and sitting there in Omaha, you're thinking, this is divine intervention. God wants me to be with this woman. Even though she was way out of my league, who am I to argue with God? Right? Now, what's this got to do with Convoy? All right, here's the story. There was a... um. I guess you would call them a production house. And, you know, in any city, there's a couple of these, some big cities, a lot of them, and they're uh, advertising agencies. And they work on television and radio commercials and just client relations and just billboards and all of that sort of stuff. And there was a, I seem to remember the the place being called Sound Recorders. I'd have to look that up. But anyhow, that was the outfit that was approached by a bread company. And I wish I could remember the name of the bread company. I can't off the top of my head. I'm sure if you Google it, you could find it. But anyhow, it was a bread company. And the song Convoy, a shorter version of which and with the lyrics changed a little bit, was the theme song for this bread company in the TV commercial. And apparently it did really, really well. Now, at that time, not a lot of people had CB radios. The truckers did, but nobody else did. Well, then somebody said, you know, that uh, that song from the TV commercial for the bread, that, that could probably be released as a single if you just dick with it a little bit. So they did. They released it. And the next thing you know, everybody in America has got a CB radio and is learning the CB language. And the entire country just goes CB radio nuts. And it was all started by this commercial for a bread company in Omaha. And in between... The musical genius Chip Davis, you know, putting together this whole Mannheim steamroller thing that comes in every Christmas at the Fox Theater. It's got this little side gig going on with C.W. McCall. So anyhow, the band goes on the road for a couple of months, and that's when, I guess I should say, it started. It was the first time I was ever involved in anything like that. I didn't really count it as fooling around with somebody else's wife because the marriage was falling apart, and she's already looking for apartments. So it's not like things were, you know, intact. But the weird part was, one night she had me come over to her house. And you're thinking to yourself, I know that right now her husband is on stage in Lexington, Kentucky, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, but you just still have this sensation of him walking in the front door, but he didn't. And the other thing was they had a room and it was 
oh gosh, how big was it? About half the size of a small bedroom. So it wasn't like it was a closet or anything, but it was a small room. And it had like a little step so you could basically sit down. But the rest of it was just, I seem to remember like almost shag carpeting. But when you closed the door, they had this thing set up so that it was complete sensory deprivation. It wasn't a panic room. It was a place to go where you would not be able to hear anything or see anything. And I mean nothing. No light coming in from, you know, under the door. And acoustically, it's almost like your words were taken out of your mouth as you were saying them. Couldn't hear anything. And we went in there for a while. I was such a boy. I was just not ready for anything like this. And eventually, the two of them split up and I left Omaha and that was the end of that. I did talk to her one more time on the phone. Oh God, it must be 10 years after all of that. Guys like to reminisce. They like to bring, remember when uh, we did all the, you know, women aren't like that. They don't want to, they don't want to remember that stuff. But again, a friggin' bread commercial coming out of Omaha, Nebraska that started the whole thing, including that song, which sold millions of copies and which propelled the entire country into grabbing CB radios like hotcakes. It was on this date in 1990. I was in Los Angeles doing, um, television interviews for a movie called air america which i think the only thing i remember is mel gibson was in it i don't remember anything else about it and i made my debut on channel four as entertainment editor on this date in 1992 i'd been at channel five for five years they eliminated my job via budget cuts waited six months went over to channel four was there for almost seven years same thing budget cuts when the company federales come in and start making budget cuts, you do not want to be the entertainment guy because you're first. I want to get a plug in for uh, what's going on starting this Sunday. We're bringing back JC's Roots of Rock Sunday show. Now, this was something I did for about five years on the last station I was at. And then we tried to get it started up on K-Wolf last year, but we were having all sorts of problems with it. So we just decided, let's wait until we can do this the right way. And now that time is here. And courtesy of Skip Weber and Weber Chevrolet, we're bringing it back on the air. JC's Roots of Rock Sunday show hits the airwaves this Sunday morning from 9 until 11. And it brings up all sorts of interesting conversations and, frankly, a couple of arguments. Because you get these music purists. And it's one of those deals where if you're listening to a station like K-Wolf, which is Rocket Americana, for a small but very vocal percentage of the audience are real old schoolers. And if you try to do something like go too far off the beaten path with something, you start hearing about it. I don't think that song belongs on K-Wolf. You're ruining the station. What are you doing? Well, I'm obviously ruining the station. No, what I'm doing is putting together a show that from time to time is going to surprise you. Surprises are good as long as it's not something stupid. Actually, something stupid sometimes could be pretty good, come to think of it. But the point is this. For two hours every Sunday morning, we get to go back and explore a period of time which I just love, which is the late 60s and early 70s. I think 69 and 70 were the two best years ever for the history of pop music, if you exclude the Beatles years, like 64 and stuff like that. But for just, you know, mainstream pop music, 69 and 70, just fantastic. If you pick the right songs. If you pick the songs that really did have something to do with the way pop and rock evolved over the last couple of decades. If James Brown didn't come along and go, ha, back in the 60s, Roger Daltrey may not have felt comfortable with going, yeah, I won't get fooled again. 
sometimes when I get interviewed by people, they go, do you have any regrets? And I say, generally, no, which surprises people. But the reason I give in detail is because every mistake that I made, I learned something. You learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. And so if you go back and say, well, I regret doing this. Well, not really, because you did it. And while the act might have been regretful, you learned something really valuable from it. And so you can't just erase it. And it's all just mental masturbation. Anyhow, talking about what do you regret? And I prefer to look forward. And it's the same thing with music. Look at how a lot of people who were into rock and roll sort of thumb their nose at a band like ABBA. Okay, well, you know, now here it is years later and people are like, no, actually, I liked Dancing Queen. I mean, look what Foo Fighters are doing. Foo Fighters bringing Rick Astley up on stage. Never gonna give you up. And they're having a blast with it. They brought Alanis Morissette up the other night to do a tribute to Sinead O'Connor. So in a lot of cases, the listeners of rock and roll radio and just of music in general are not really paying attention and not really paying playing fair by criticizing somebody like me who comes along and tries to do something a little bit creative a little more interesting and takes a chance once in a while you can't be afraid to take chances in anything you know if it's a one-run game late in the ball game and tyler o'neill who's got blazing speed is standing at first and there's a base hit to right field in the back of his mind he's thinking i've got a lot better chance to score from third than i do on second i'm gonna chance it you might get thrown out but you might be standing on third. You might score the winning run. You can't be afraid to make a mistake. But anyhow, most of what we're doing is uh, very well researched and thought out. And we got all sorts of special parts and features. And if you're just like old music, and again, we don't really have an oldie station in St. Louis anymore. And like I said at the beginning of this, it brings up really interesting conversations. Just think about this. In the mid-1970s, everybody was watching Happy Days. It was one of the top shows in the entire country, week in and week out. And they were reminiscing about the mid-1950s, which was only 20 years before that. 55 to 65, 65 to 75, 20 years. Let me tell you something. Jump by Van Halen came out 40 years ago in 1983. Tell me that song is not an oldie. How can something 40 years old not be considered an oldie? Now, we've played with the language a little bit and referred to it as classic rock, but the songs that aren't rock that we still liked for whatever reason, just take a song like, uh, oh God, early 80s. When was Thunder Island, Jay Fergus? Nah, that was 70s. But you get my point. So the whole idea of what is an old, and then you run into the problem of the other end of the demographic, because now you start going back to the 60s, if I want to play the Yardbirds, most people who can even remember that song are probably at least 65, 70 years old. And it's not like there's anything wrong with being 65 or 70 years old. The problem is, from an advertising standpoint, that's not who the advertisers are trying to reach. So, you know, I know that this looks easy, and to some extent it is. But this is actually filled with landmines, this broadcast industry. There's lots of ways to make mistakes if you're really, really not paying attention. That's why so much of what you hear on radio stinks because people aren't thinking or they got the wrong people in charge. This is a true story. After they pulled the plug on our show at K-Hits 13 and a half years ago, and that station was a classic hits station, but they were afraid it was biting too much into Keiji. And in fact, we beat 
Casey a couple of times, and they didn't like that at all. You'd think that they would be happy that they had two really, really, really big, powerful stations. No, what we did is we grazed the mothership, knocked them off kilter a little bit, and that did not go over well. I mean, what, what do you do? What do you do to mollify the other people in the building? Just walk in one day and go, we're going to try to suck better. Because we, we, you know, we don't want to intrude. But after they got rid of our show and got rid of everybody who was on the station, all, you know, they, they go from playing Pink Floyd, Shine On You, Crazy Diamond. The next thing I know, they're playing Eddie Rabbit. Oh, I love the rainy night. That fucking guy who wrote me a hate letter once. There was a, there was a national story in one of the broadcast trade publications. He's sitting down there in Nashville, and he reads about something I'm doing in St. Louis and fires off a snotty fucking letter to me on Eddie Rabbit gold-embossed stationery. I've been looking for that thing for 10 years, and I can't find that fucking letter because I would love to find it. I know I have it somewhere. So like I said, we're there. This is 2009. We're there playing Pink Floyd. They get rid of all of us. Next thing, they're playing Eddie Rabbit. Then that doesn't work so well. Ratings don't go up. Now they're playing Blind Melon. They bent that back and forth so many times. It was like a piece of wire. You can bend it to the left, bend it to the right. You do that three or four times, and eventually that wire is just going to break. And that's what happened. Now, I don't know what the station is doing. They're playing Bosnian music or something. You watching this thing in Chicago? Obviously, the trade deadline was Tuesday, and everybody with the Cardinals organization was worried about Goldschmidt and Arenado and the whole thing. That has subsided. And we have still the nucleus of what should be a much better ball club than it is. In Chicago, they were really worried about selling off players, and they really didn't do much of that. And I guess it energized the team a little bit. Cincinnati is in first place in the Central Division. They're a a half game ahead of Milwaukee. Cubs are only three games back. And two nights ago, the first place Cincinnati Reds come into Wrigley Field and are blown out of the place by a score of 20-9. to And that happens to all teams. It happens to the Cardinals. happens to the Yankees. I don't care who you are. That's going to happen once in a while. You just have to shake it off and come back the next night where you are beaten by a score of 16-6. to Cincinnati pitching has given up 36 runs in two games. And the Cubs are making a run at it. And for somebody who doesn't know a goddamn thing about soccer, I'm sure spending a lot of time talking about it. Women's World Cup, Jamaica eliminated Brazil. These gals needed a GoFundMe just to be able to afford their trip to the World Cup. But then they eliminated Brazil the other night. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. So now they're in the knockout round. The USA women play early Sunday morning. By the way, Carly Lloyd has backed off her criticism of the team a little bit. Football is back starting tonight. The annual Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, Cleveland, and the Jets. And... The NFL admits that they've been watching the XFL, and they sort of like some of the things they're doing. Now, the thing that I like is the coverage with the XFL, particularly when there's a challenge. Now they go up to the booth, and instead of just doing the way they do it on the NFL where you just see a bunch of players milling around, what the XFL does is they got a camera up in the booth where they're doing the reviewing, and you're watching the guys do it, and they got them wired up for microphones and the whole thing. They're like, yeah, we're rolling this back. You see what this right here? See, now we see, what we're seeing is his foot is on the white line, so that makes, you know, you're seeing the whole thing happen in real time. That's a great idea. I'd love to see them adopt that in the coverage. But right now, all they're saying is they're looking at some of the 
kickoff rules, trying to borrow some of the ideas from the XFL, apply them to the NFL in hopes that fewer guys will get hurt. And Tom Brady turning 46 today, single again, although if I'm a woman, I'm thinking, do I really want to go out with a guy who takes longer to get ready in the bathroom than I do? Evangeline Lilly from Lost, 44. James Hetfield from Metallica is 60. John C. McGinley, Office Space, Scrubs. Good guy. We had him on the show, 64. John Landis, director of Animal House, Blues Brothers, an American werewolf in London, trading places, coming to America. And, of course, Michael Jackson's thriller, John Landis, 73 today. Martha Stewart, the jailbird, is 82. Martin Sheen, great guy. One of my favorite interviews of all times, 83 today lenny bruce overdosed on morphine and died at age 40 on this date in 1966 paul mccartney announced the formation of his new supergroup wings on this date in 71 and the woman who told me that she had won a gold medal at the olympics before she even had her first period and by that i don't mean study hall mary lou retton is 39 today Donald Trump going to be indicted for a third time today. One more indictment, and he gets a free six-inch sub at participating Subway sandwich shops while supplies last. And today is, and I'm making this up, National Grab Some Nuts Day. Let's not tell Kevin Spacey. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran Podcast for Thursday, August 3rd, 2023 is in the can. We're here every weekday morning, Monday through Thursday at 11 a.m. As you know, do me a favor. Tell somebody. Tell a friend co-worker, office pal, stranger on the street, doesn't matter to me. Tell them about the podcast here at jconline.com. Tell them about the radio show every morning on KWolf at 101.5 and 101.7, and we stream that at kwolf.com. Okay? Thanks. Next podcast is Monday morning at 11, radio show tomorrow. Hope you're there. In the meantime, stay dry. We've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.